This episode is brought to you by Mightier. Mightier is a biofeedback-based video game platform that teaches kids to emotionally self-regulate. This leads to a significant reduction in meltdowns and parental stress. It's backed by science out of Harvard Medical and Boston Children's and has helped over 100,000 kids. For more information, visit theautismdad.com forward slash mightier. That's theautismdad.com forward slash M-I-G-H-T-I-E-R and use the code theautismdad22 to save 10%. Welcome to the Autism Dad Podcast. I'm Rob Gorski. As a single dad to three amazing autistic kids, I've been the go-to resource for parents across the globe navigating neurodivergence since 2010. Building on the success of my award-winning blog, The Autism Dad, this podcast provides parents raising autistic or neurodivergent kids with comfort, community, resources, support, and validation. You'll also hear inspiring stories from parents just like you, reminding you that you're not alone. So don't miss out. New episodes drop every Monday and Wednesday. Subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app and visit theautismdad.com for more information. On this week's episode of the Autism Dead podcast, I sat down with Alicia Galahowski. Uh, she is a single mom and she has an autistic kid and she's here to talk about what her journey has been, what some of the struggles are, what, what some of the challenges are. And, and she's very, very honest and transparent about what she's been through. So I think, I think it's very helpful for people out there who are experiencing something similar to hear this and, and be reminded that they're not alone. Uh, it's, it can get a little emotional at, at times, but again, I think it's important that we, we learn from each other and we share our stories and uh, this was a really good one. So I want to thank you all for taking the time to tune in and I hope you enjoy the interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here and, and working through the little technical snafus. Uh, I really appreciate it. Could you take a second, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and maybe something about your parenting journey? Sure. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, my name's Alicia and I'm the proud mom of Parker, who's seven. Um, we got his diagnosis uh, just after, around the age of two. Um, he wasn't putting multiple words together. Um, and that was overwhelming to get that diagnosis. I stood in the library and Googled it got 12,000 pages of results back and stood there and cried. Um, it's been a learning journey and every day, you know, my eyes are open to new perspectives. And that's one of the reasons I'm so grateful to have come across um, your platform because it's really, um, it's been very helpful. You know, it's given me a lot of information and connections I didn't have before. You know, I sat and suffered in silence. Well, thank you. I I'm glad, I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that something that I have done has been helpful for people. You know, cause like, like, uh, it's been a long road for me as well. And, you know, I've, I just wanted like something positive to come out of it aside from like my kids doing well and things like that. You know what I mean? Like just trying to kind of help people to navigate the stuff that, that I've been through. Um, so I, I do appreciate that. What, so, so how old is your son? Parker is seven. He'll be eight in January. Um, okay. Right now, we are on hold for ABA services, and that's been really challenging. We've had some major regressions when we don't have consistent services. Even since getting a diagnosis, you know, when you don't have those services consistently, yeah, um, it causes huge, huge setbacks for us. When when he was younger, what was like? Did you notice something was just a little bit different, or was it brought to your attention? Because like everybody's story is a little bit different on how. Like they, they knew that they needed to go pursue a diagnosis or get an evaluation. I was wondering what yours, what your story was. 
so with Parker, um, you know, he hit all of his uh, physical milestones. I'll say he walked, he was crawling, um, you know, physically he was there. I didn't really think anything was off and I disagreed with the autism diagnosis. And so did my grandmother, um, my family, when we originally got it, just simply because at the time, um, the only symptom that Parker portrayed was not putting multiple words together. Um, I, after getting that 12,000 page search result back and reading all these different behaviors and things that these other families experienced that were common, Mm -hmm. um, I disagreed with it. Um, it was only once Parker got older and more of these behaviors started to exhibit and present themselves, then I fully agreed with the diagnosis. How, how old was he when he was diagnosed? We, um, it was around three or four where we got the official diagnosis. Okay. Um, was that, what was that process like for you? Did you, were you guys on a wait list? Well, where, where are you guys, where are you guys at? So we're in Michigan and Livingston okay. County. Um, That's what uh, I thought. and the process I've is a nightmare. Um, once I started off with his pediatrician, um, his pediatrician referred me to a, a state program called early on, which is to help families, um, you know, just kind of assess their kids to make sure they're hitting those milestones and worries of the parents, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I had that assessment after reaching out to the pediatrician um, about the speech delay. Um, And then early on assessed him and said, we think he needs an autism assessment. And again, I was, um, I'm like, no, that's not what it is. That couldn't be it. You know, he only just doesn't talk. It's fine. He'll talk when he's ready. Right. Yep. Um, but that's, that wasn't the case. So I moved forward. I took the doctor's recommendations and got the assessment for autism. That wasn't a wait. Um, the wait for us was after we got the diagnosis, finding a center for services mm. that had an opening. Um, yeah. So that's where our problems have come in is we have the diagnosis. We have all these things. Um, but there is a wait list because so many more diagnoses are coming. So many more people need these services. Um, so, you know, you have to wait. And there was a backlog from COVID too, with, yes, with yes. all delays, uh, yep. in diagnosing kids because of mm. COVID there's, there was an influx. There was, I was just talking about this. I'm just talking about this last night, actually. Uh, there, I mean, there are 18 month, 24 month wait lists for kids to get yes. diagnosed. Um, and I've actually, I've, I've talked to a couple of different families in Michigan, uh, and, and it's been sort of a similar thing. It was, it was services. Like it was okay getting the the diagnosis, but then it was it was locating services that tended to be um where sort of the bottleneck was. I guess that makes sense. That like the slowdown. Yeah. Yes. It's um and you know, for us too, and I don't know how it is other places, but in Michigan anyway, every center has to do their own assessments, their oh, own treatment plans. Yeah. So even though I have this diagnosis, I have years of ABA data. I have the treatment plans from Mm -hmm. other places we've received services, but when you want to start a new place for ABA therapy, then that center has to develop their own treatment plan. They have to do their own assessments. So there's a lot of lag time. Like I thought it was going to be easy when I moved to a different County, coming back home to my original County, um, transferring these services because they were already in place, right? Like why should we have to wait? We have the diagnosis. We have the treatment plan. Boom, boom. Right. Yeah. No, it took us nearly six months because we had to stop services in one county to qualify in the new county. So it's been a nightmare. The hoops we jumped through for. Um, so there's not like a, a standard that that, no, that allows um, you to kind well, of move a from standard in what regard? Well, so so I guess every every. So, OK, so when you're when you're talking about let, let's start with this, when you are talking about like service centers, right? 
are you referring to like ABA clinics or are you talking about in my area, when I say service, um, our, our centers for therapy, I'm referring for us to therapy. Um, a lot of these places you can do other therapies in the same building, which is nice. Um, but when I say a center, um, I'm referring to an ABA center for ABA therapy. Okay. Well, cause I know there's some, I, I've never understood exactly where, what that meant. Because when you talk to people out West, like in California, they have like a regional center and even oh, like yeah. up in Canada and I, and I've, I've not had any experience with that. Cause like we have, I've not even had personal experience with ABA clinics. Um, okay. and so I was just wondering, cause I've always, I've never actually known what that was. And so I thought I would ask since we were talking about it. Um, yeah. So we've done the autism center, um, in Michigan, which is a, a you know, a big organization, but okay. then with Medicaid insurance, a lot of these big, bigger and more well-known companies don't take Medicaid. They only take private insurance. So again, another hurdle, when you do find a center that's opening and has ABA, the type of therapy you're looking for, yeah. oh, wait, I don't accept your Medicaid. So then you're back at square one. So it's just such a, a multifaceted uh, issue for families, yeah. um, even after you get the diagnosis. Yeah. And, and you know, and a, and a big part of that challenge, too, is that a lot of kids that are diagnosed end up on disability or SSI yep. because they need the Medicaid in order to get services covered that private insurance won't cover. <laughs> so like, and it's, that's where we are. It's, it's yeah. that, it's that, uh, and I can't work because I don't have services in place for him. So it's, it's a domino effect. It's uh, yeah. just a diamond of multifaceted problems and hurdles. <laughs> so, okay. So, and, and I, I hear that. And I, I've sort of been in a similar situation. Whereas like I, you know, I was my kid's primary caregiver and you know, trying to navigate three kids with autism and my oldest had fragile health and all kinds of additional health challenges. Um, like I, I had to find, I, I couldn't go out and work like a nine to five job. Like it was just not, Me neither. it wasn't possible. I would have been, and even, and even, and you can't just stick an autistic kid in daycare. Exactly. It doesn't, That's it doesn't, where, it doesn't yeah. work like that. Right. And then they're like, oh, well, do you have a diagnosis? And then you're like, yeah. And they're like, well, what about a treatment plan? And you're like, oh, so I can't do daycare. And in respite, you know, we qualify for respite. We are eligible for these services. But in our county, and it's different county-wise in our state, but in our county, they don't offer a respite organization. You have to know somebody that's willing and has all these certifications to do it. Um, and that's troubling because it's like, okay, you're going to give me a respite, but not somebody that can do it. It's on me and I don't have um, a large group of people. And with Parker's behaviors, I'm limited on who's comfortable even helping provide care for him. Do you guys have, do you guys have the option, uh, like in Ohio, parents can become paid caregivers? Like you can be- I know I can do other family members. My grandmother, um, who is, you know, Parker's other primary uh, caregiver, mm -hmm. um, used to be his respite care worker. But then we moved out of county. Um, so with everything, um, trying to find the new center and everything, but I don't think, I'm not sure if the parent can, but I know that other relatives can. Yeah. Yes. Like in Ohio, I know, and I don't, we've, I've never done this, but I've, um, I've been hearing parents talking about this locally since I've been doing the Ohio uh, podcast and, yeah. and they get care, they, they can be, they can be paid to be direct care providers for their kids. And so it's, and, and a lot of parents kind of shy away from it because they're like, well, I don't, I don't want to get paid to take care of my kid. And that's not what it is. It's, it's instead of having a third party come in and, yeah. and do something, 
that would be disruptive for the whole family. You We're know, uncomfortable. Yeah. Unsafe. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of what ifs. Well, in the, yeah. And, and it allows parents to, to be the primary caregivers and helps with the income. Helps with the income. Yeah. Because I don't have services. Yeah. yeah, Because it's a very delicate balance. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I, that is, that is such a huge problem and it's a very common problem, uh, regardless of. It's hard though, Rob, because I need a break. You know, like as much as I yeah. love my tiny humans, because I, I not only have Parker here full time, but I have a 10 month old baby, too. So um, I'm I've got a house full, you know, um, but, you know, the respite, I it's hard when you don't have somebody else, you know, like it's just me and my grandmother. My grandmother's of age, you know, and Parker's a big boy. So it's like, Rob, what do you do when you don't have anybody that can come help? I want to be home. I need the extra the extra um, income to help, you know, and that would be great. But. I also need help. You know, I need a break. I'm burned out. I'm tired. That's a really good, that's a really good point too, because that really only addresses part of the problem and then sort of creates another problem. (laughs) This is so, you know, um, man, the system is so (laughs) in case it's it's just, it's not the hamster's dead. That's what I say. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's, it's not set up. And there's no universal standard, right? Like there's no federal standard that, that, I mean, even if it's, if it's different from county to county, even that's disruptive because a lot of times when the services that my kids received, like OTPT and stuff like that, a lot of times they were out of county. All their doctors were out of county and no providers available. Yeah. You know, so we did everything at Akron Children's or at the Cleveland Clinic and those are both out of out of County for us. And, um, yeah, so I never, I never thought about it like that. That's a really good point because I always just thought, well, you know, if if you're getting paid, if you're going to be there taking care of your kid anyways, and then you can be compensated for it to help with income. That's, that's, I mean, that's helpful when you don't have the ability to work, you know, it's like, what do you do? I don't have any other options but to utilize some sort of assistance in this way. And why shouldn't I Rob? I mean, I, it's only to help my family. I can't go out to make the money to provide because mm-hmm. I'm dealing with my ch- the needs of my child. Yeah. You know, so it's it's hard, you know, when you're you, you don't have the ability um, to go out and work. And it is. I mean, it, it, it is it is a lack of ability to do that, too, because it's not like I'm unable. Yeah, it's physically not, able, willing, but can't. Yeah. The circumstances uh, preclude you from doing that, because so even even if you were to try and even if. And that was one of the things that I struggled with when my kids were younger was like, they were like, people were always like, well, why don't you just go out and get a job? And it's like, oh, well, if it was that easy. <laughs> I would have done that. I mean, like, trust me. I'll get me. called in 30 minutes and I, then I'll get fired. Yeah. That, right. It was. My I mean, inconsistent and limited availability. Yeah. Period. And <laughs> there's, there's no, there's, there, there are very few options that don't create bigger problems. <laughs> you know? Yes. So it's like you could, and it's so many parents say the same thing. Like if you get a, if they have a job they've lost it a lot of times yeah. because they're, they get to work and there's a call from the school that you need to come pick up your kid because there was a problem yep. or they yeah. can't go to school because of medical issues or technicians quit. And then you don't have therapy. In yeah. Place. And, and, yeah. and you have to drop what you're doing to go take care of your child and absolutely and work. And understandably so from the employer standpoint, I mean, like it's a, it's a, it's a difficult position for them to be in as well. Right. But it's a, it's a lose, lose scenario. Yeah. And, you know, that's a really, that's an interesting 
sort of direction that we took this in, because I think that's something that there, there needs to be, I need to do like an episode dedicated just to helping navigate these, even just validating some of these problems so that people understand yeah. because having the other people in your life even understand why things are the way they are. Right. Um, and that it's actually a very common problem for, for parents in our situation helps them to think, okay, well, that's just the way that it has to be for now. And let's see what we can figure out as we go forward or, you know, whatever, but, but not being judged because I think there's sometimes a lot of judgment. You get and, shamed. Yeah. And people make assumptions about things that aren't accurate. And, right. and I think it's something that should be more, uh, I mean, not normalized necessarily because we want to fix the problem. Yeah, we want to fix the problem, but not shame people who are stuck in that position because there really is no feasible, practical, um, sustainable way to get out of it. Yeah. You know, there's no cookie cutter solution. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Totally, totally understand that. Uh, So, so what is like, what is your daily life like? What, what are some of the challenges that you're dealing with that, um, that you would like people to better understand? So Parker has level three autism and it's a more severe, um, level. Uh, mm-hmm. some of our, a typical day, um, <laughs> can vary so greatly. It would give you whiplash, um, to be honest with you, as well as his moods. Um, I never, you know, every day it could be a new trigger or a new behavior. What works today doesn't always work tomorrow. And the inconsistency with autism and helping my child is what really makes it hard, Um, especially not having services. So generally, and mind you, I have a baby going on in all of this, um, so it gets to be a lot. I wasn't always as patient with Parker as I am now. I've come a really long way, and so has he. And I try to just remind myself of that. Um, Parker was originally nonverbal. Um, like I was saying at the beginning, you know, he wasn't putting multiple words together. Now he never stops talking. However, <laughs> profanity and screaming are um, <laughs> the on current, the, yeah, uh, on the current of communication list. Yep. in my home. <laughs> Property destruction, um, whether Parker likes something or doesn't like something, any type of negative or overwhelming feeling, it will get destroyed. Mm-hmm. It does not matter if it's his favorite thing in the world or his least favorite thing. Um, you know, we're dealing with a lot of instability. You know, it's hard for Parker to not have services and be stuck with mama and a baby all day. I actually don't have a vehicle. So I use public transportation. I'm limited on people that can help. I've got my grandma. So we're at home a lot. I have an apartment. It's a small space. I'm on the second floor because elopement is an issue. My child will go AWOL. Um, So I have to um, be mindful and hypervigilant in Mm -hmm. all aspects of my life, even to the point of do I get a first or second floor apartment? I'm going to have to carry this baby up these stairs, but Parker has less chance of, of getting out and, um, and being unsupervised, you know, on yeah. the second story. There's more of a buffer between you and the outside. But he, he loves hard too. You know, he's very compassionate. Parker is very, um, great with his baby brother. I was very worried. I, um, countless nights during my pregnancy wondering how was I going to blend these two tiny humans and and make this work for us with Parker's um, the intensity of a lot of the meltdowns and the aggression. It's troublesome. You know, you worry that I'm going to have to protect one child from the other. And that's scary, but Parker's done well. I underestimate my child a lot and uh, he's just amazing. Yeah. I, I, 
I, my, my oldest, um, was he had, he had major, major behavioral issues when he was younger and, uh, he experienced a lot of regression early, like around his fourth birthday. And he, uh, we were told that he would probably need placed in residential care because it just, I was, I was having to protect the other kids from his behaviors. Like he would never intentionally hurt anyone. Right. But, but when they're overwhelmed and they cannot physically control themselves, yes. you got to get everybody out of the line of fire. They're collateral. It's collateral damage. Exactly. It's accidental collateral damage. But exactly. that, but that risk is still there and you feel like yeah. you have, I mean, you don't feel like, well, you do feel like it, but you have an obligation to both kids. Like right. I had an obligation to, to my two youngest. Between two children is not yeah. something I would wish on anybody. Right. And, uh, you know, fast forward to, you know, he's 23 now and hasn't, I mean, I, I don't, working, he's working now, he's right? work. Yeah. He's working now. He's yeah. in day services. Actually, he's going to be getting home in about 15 minutes or a half hour now. Um, and all of those things that I was, that would keep me up at night seemed to resolve themselves over, yes. over, over time. And some did, some didn't for us for sure. Yeah. And, and there's things that we picked up that are frustrating for me <laughs> that we picked up along the way that I wish we could just kind of leave yeah, right. there. Uh, it doesn't go back in the box. Rob. It doesn't go back in the box. That's right. <laughs> That's so true. It doesn't, but like, but I guess the, you know, the point, the point is, is that like so often we feel like where we are in the moment is where it's always going to be. And yes. you know, my youngest was nonverbal for the first four years of his life. We thought he was deaf. Uh, he was very, very aggressive. And uh, you know, Emmett is now, he started talking at four. He is doing incredibly well. Most people might not even pick up on the fact that he was autistic. Not that it matters, but like, and, and, but I've, I've been in those places where you, where you are overwhelmed and you feel like you're drowning and, and, you know, I have supportive family, you know, and I'm very lucky that I, I have that. Um, but, but kind of those firsthand connections were like people understand without you having to explain or the judgment, the scoffing, yeah. the eye rolls, you know, I see it even with immediate friends and I've, I, um, you have to let it go. I've had to learn to let it go. This episode is brought to you by Goalie. Did you know the university of Michigan did a study that found over 80% of apps for kids are designed to lure them into longer gameplay and more in-app purchases. Goalie decided it was time for this to end. Unlike the Kindle and iPad that have endless ads and potentially dangerous content, Goalie is a tablet with only apps that build independent kids. It has no web browser, no social media, and no ads, ever. It has award-winning learning apps like Khan Academy, Duolingo ABC, and Starfall, and the best part is completely parent-controlled. In my house, we use Goalie's kids' calendar to teach my son how to stay on task. He learns life skills like how to make a sandwich, by watching one of the hundreds of video classes and can practice it by following along with one of the 50 pre-made routines. As a dad, there's no better feeling than knowing that my son is becoming more independent every day. For more information and to try Goalie risk-free for 30 days, visit getgoalie.com. That's G-E-T-G-O-A-L-L-Y.com and use the code THEAUTISMDAD to save 10%. I'm focused on my child and not other people and what they think, but it's hard when 
And I, this was something that happened. Parker threw knives at me. He made false calls to 911. Um, so I had to deal with law enforcement as well as having knives thrown at me. Mm-hmm. Um, and my grandparents, bless their hearts, you know, but what do you do when your family says he's too much? Yeah. And, you know, then you, so I just wanted to say, you know, like, I understand that. And to all the other, anybody else out there, if it's too much, let me, call me, message me. It's a lot. And I don't want ever anyone to feel like I felt when my grandma looked at me and said, I can't do it. He's too much. He is a lot. But I am, if I can prevent one person from feeling that despair of being truly, what do I do? Um, Message me, text me, email me. It's, it's a lot, but I just want somebody else to, I want to prevent that. That was, that's been really hard. Yeah, it, it, it has. And I, I mean, I can see, I can see the the pain and the, and everything that you're going through. And and I'm so sorry that it's so hard. I, I know, like, I'm not in your shoes, but I, I know what it was like for me. And that, that feeling of, um, isolation and solitude and fear and it's It's consuming it's consuming and it's it's you'll have people tell you like well just focus on the positive or like what it's like you know like i like we like we don't know when you feel like there's no positive it's sometimes i do feel that way some days are harder than others some days are harder than others and and that's for sure celebrate the little victories right yeah you know i mean and there there is there is there is power to that i think but what about those days when it's so bad that you just can't, you, you can't, just cry? yeah, you just can't find it. And he's screaming at me. I'm screaming at him. We're screaming and crying together. And the baby's just looking at me like, what's going on? I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. And, and those are the, those are the days that I was living minute by minute. Sometimes those are the days, Rob, that I'm glad that I found, um, and connected with other people, uh, you know, through, through your outreach. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, but I didn't before. This is all new for me, exposing myself to this world. Uh, you know, um, I knew there were other parents. I knew there were other autism kids, but I just, I didn't want to go down that route. I was scared, Rob. I was scared. I didn't know what the future entailed for my child. And you know what? It has taught me that there's hope. Mm-hmm. There's hope. There's hope, Rob. And I, I feel a lot better. Have you ever read, um, did you ever read uh, Kate Swenson's book, Forever Boy? No, but I seen... That was one of the ones that I, um, that I, I wanted to, that I wanted to read. There was a couple of other ones that I was recently recommended, but that one, yeah. That, that, um, I would really recommend that you, you read her book. It's on audible. Uh, she narrates it. Um, I don't, I don't have the attention span a lot of times to sit down and like read a book, especially if it's something like. I don't have the time. Or the time. (laughs) Right. So that's why I did, I did, I did the audio, uh, book. Um, but it was, but it was so relatable, so relatable, you know, I mean, her journey is a little bit different than mine, obviously, but like, but, but the feelings that she experienced, the, the, the dark times, all that despair, everything. Yeah. That's, that's, it's so relatable. And and she talks about how she found, you know, her way, uh, out, you know, and, and, uh, very, very vulnerable in that. And, and, um, I, I would definitely recommend that. I, I don't recommend books very often. Cause like I said, I don't, <laughs> right. I, don't sit down. I, I love don't, to read. I do. I'm, but, I was really excited. Um, 
that one and a couple of other ones I can't remember the authors of right now, or I'd recommend them as well. But yeah, um, it, it helps to connect. I've been making small connections with other autism parents, mm-hmm. other high needs parents. And even though these people I don't know in person, I'm not judged. I feel like I'm understood. And I mm-hmm. feel like, like I said, it's it just gives me hope it's to a know community. that, you know, other people have gone through um, similar things, mm-hmm. if not the same. And there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not always a train. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's, I say that all the time. It's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not always a train. Because sometimes it feels yeah. like you get to the end of that tunnel and you think like it's going to be like bathing in the sunlight and it's like it's like when rock train. bottom has a basement, a basement. To the underground yeah. tunnel yeah <laughs> uh, yeah right i said so yeah. so i so get that uh d- did you join are you in the support group um so i've joined a couple of online like uh, social media groups i do i follow your page obviously the did, autism not your average autism mom um but in-person groups i can't get out to and my community doesn't have a lot well, no, no, I, I have a support group on, on I did Facebook. not know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's just, <laughs> it's just the autismdad.com forward slash support. And it redirects oh, you, to, okay. it redirects you to the I Facebook the group. I website all the time for the new podcast uh, things, but I didn't see that. Yeah, oh, okay. there, there's, I think there's about 43 or 4,400. I moved it over. I had it on Reddit for a long time and it just got real toxic. So I, I moved it over yeah, to Facebook Reddit, where yeah. people can't hide as much behind screen names. Uh, and there's about 43 or 4,400 uh, parents there now and uh wow. you know there's everybody so 4300 other ways on how to address this situation sure and and, and it's all because... and it's and, and it's all <laughs> other parents there, there's some organizations that have joined in too that that provide um you know services and stuff like that that i've, I've kind of vetted just to make sure that you know, because I don't want it to become like a sales place, people to come and like pitch their stuff. No, no, but, I would leave. Yeah, but if there's if there's if they provide things that could be of benefit yeah. to families, exactly. and it's just connecting shared experiences, shared experiences yeah, 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 things like that, that. That just so that you are aware of what's out there. Um, yeah, it's it's helpful, and and the parents there, nobody nobody judges anyone. I mean, there's a few autistic people that have joined who, um have that they help parents to kind of better understand their kids and and give them yeah. insights that can help to I love the different perspectives yeah. that you offer a lot. Yeah, there's there's moms and dads, there's some grandparents, um uh caregivers, there's some respite providers I think, um some teachers all different, all, all different yeah. walks. Yeah. So so that you can get different perspectives and and maybe different ideas that might spark a path forward. Right. And, and the main thing Even is conversation, yep. you know, this stuff needs to be like, I cannot be the only one whose child is so overwhelmed. They throw knives. Like I cannot be the only one sitting here struggling with helping my child. And that's all I want. I just want to help my child. Yeah. That's all. I just want to help him. That's it. And, and I'm I, not even mad about the meltdowns, Rob. I'm devastated. It yeah. breaks my heart. It is because they're in distress. You know, like, like it's not, you know, meltdowns are, you know, as you know, like they're, they're involuntary. They're, they're not, they're not tantrums. There's a difference, right? They're not having a meltdown difference. because they're just Big not difference. getting their way or they're trying to manipulate you into something. It's the sort of like the lights go out and it's kind of autopilot body purging and they have no, yeah. they're not even hearing you. They if shut you're talking down. To, yeah. He shuts down completely. He cannot do what I expect him to do or regulate himself as a human being. His body cannot do what I want him to do. Yeah. What he wants to do. 
and and out I, of his control. And it's I think it's 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 really good that you have as deep of an understanding of that, but it doesn't always make it easier. You no, know, it's still um it's still overwhelming. You know, when you feel like you're doing combative maneuvers to keep your child safe, like it's yeah. it's it's exhausting. I'm only four eleven. You know, like I am not a big I'm not a big person. My child goes you know, when he wants to fight, like all I can do is, is block and make it safe. And that's exhausting. Yeah, it is it's exhausting. Um, so what, uh, what is something, you know, normally I ask people for advice. Like if there's one piece of advice you have for parents, but is there, is there something that you just wish people better understood? Or do you have a piece of advice that you would want to offer, you know, parents who might be going through something similar? My child is not misbehaving. I wish we could just get rid of this word behave, behave. Um, I, I, when you see a child having a meltdown in public, um, you know, just be compassionate. I don't need the stares. My child doesn't need your judgment. He's already overwhelmed. Like that doesn't help us. I just want people to stop using this term of behaved. Oh, he's not behaving. He's misbehaving. He's bad. My child is not bad. My child is not misbehaving. My child is trying to learn how to be a human. My child has big emotions and a little body, and he doesn't have the tools to, to help himself. And while we're trying to figure out what works, I just want the world to be patient. Um, and I, I just want some compassion. I don't, I don't need anything else. And if, um, you know, if anything, I just want people to, to stop saying he's so bad. He's so misbehaved. Like, no, no, my child is not misbehaving. He's overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed. There's so much going on beneath the surface that people don't recognize, right? It's, it's sort of that iceberg, uh, thing that they have online or where you just see the tip of the iceberg and there's this huge part of it underneath it, under the surface. Under the surface. Yeah. That, 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 and he can't, you know, he can't even communicate these things with us, you know? So that's where the patience and understanding and compassion comes in. Like, I don't, it's hard when grandma wants to take her grandbaby and then someone's like, well, is he going to behave? Well, what do you, I just instantly, I just see red. Like I'm just devastated that so many expectations from society are placed on my child when we're not a cookie cutter family. Like this my child is never going to be how the world expects a child to be. And that's okay. Yeah. Embrace his differences. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. They're all brilliant in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Embrace them. Love them. Stop trying to change them. No, no, I'm not changing my child. I want a, the best quality of life possible for him. He's not going to be what the world wants him to be. And I don't want him to be either. Yeah. I, you know, that's, that's, uh, there, there's that, that saying, you know, I, I won't change you for the world, but I'll change the world for you. Or something to that effect. Um, I, you know, the one thing that I've learned 23 years into this, I wish I would have known sooner was just like, like, I don't ever want to change my, I don't want to change who they are. Right. I, you know, my job I realized was to sort of help them learn to better navigate the world that we live in. And in yes. the world is a very judgmental, unforgiving place, especially the world is a scary place and they're going to have to learn how to live and they're going right? to have to learn to live in it. And, you know, I, I've never, I never expect more from them than what they're capable of. Uh, and you know, I, I do, I challenge them. I, I try to yes. push them we for should. growth a little bit, but, but, you know, expecting them to not have, 
uh, meltdowns or expecting them to do everything the way everybody else does. It's just not, it's never going to happen. You got to let it go. The better off, I told my grandma, we'll all be better off once you let it go. Yeah. There's, I mean, I would rather have a million people like my kids than a lot of the people that I have come across on social media or in person. I mean, there's some awful people out there. I would rather be there. at home with my minions stuck in this house day after day than yeah. be anywhere else, Rob. Yeah. I don't want to be anywhere else than but with, with him. So Except I, when I don't. <laughs> yeah, well, right. Yeah. It, yeah it's such Mama a, needs a break. Mm-mm. It's such a, like, um, a double-edged thing. You know, yes. like once you, he leaves, I'm like, when's he coming back? What do I do now? It's like, I'm uncomfortable in the silence once my child isn't around me. I don't well, know because what to do you, myself. Because you're, you're living on adrenaline and yeah. when, on when the edge of a nervous breakdown, yeah, that, I mean, it, really that's a lot of times that's what it's like. And, and Stuck when in our kids, when sure. our kids aren't well. there and we can't see them and we don't know what's happening, they're not in that controlled environment, then we worry. And so even when you get a break, it's not. It's not a break. It's not really a break because you can't shut your brain off and you can't relax. Right. And and so I, I totally, I totally get that. And and I just want to say that I really appreciate you uh sharing this because I think I well, I know that there are a lot of people out there who are going through similar things, and many of them feel like they're the only ones. You know, and I did. and that's not the case. And and just that little just that little bit of knowledge can can make all the difference in the world and help you make it through the day. So I think what you are, are doing is amazing. I think, you know, keep sharing, keep talking, keep, uh, you know, join the support group and, and yeah, start definitely. conversations and, and meet everybody there. Everybody there is super cool. If there's ever any problems, let me know. Uh, oh. there hasn't been, um, but just, you know, keep surrounding yourself with people who are going through similar things and, and, uh, one day at a time, one step at a time, and if you have well, to, it's like minute time. by minute. I was going to say, yeah, just minute by minute. That's, that's my, that's, I've spent years living in five minute chunks <laughs> at times. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, but it does, it does get better and better for you may be different than better for me. Exactly. But if we're open, it's one of the lessons that, you know, Kate talked about in her book. Um, we have to be open-minded to what better can mean and then each yeah each better is a building block you know it's a step forward even if we don't see it these these old world concepts don't work today and they need you know we need to get rid of them yeah these stigmas and these expectations i i don't need them my child doesn't need them we you know we don't we need to you know be kind be cool be patient (laughs) totally agree with you and and i really appreciate again you sharing as openly and i know uh, that it's um life isn't easy so i you know i i think that uh i think you're doing great and thank you, you too thank you and, and just make sure that you as hard as it is time for you at least self-care self-care I, yeah. right i went I do... to the pool by myself rob nice it was glorious nice <laughs> i'm heading to the gym as soon as we get done with this and that's my, uh, that'll be my self-care today. I didn't you go. You got to find your thing for sure. Yeah. You got to find your thing. It's a marathon, not a race, you know? So I think people are going to learn a lot, uh, from you. So I really, I really appreciate, um, you sharing. Thanks you. Thanks for having me anytime. And, uh, so you'll be in the support group. Uh, yes. I'll, I'll have a link. To the I'm sp- definitely going to be joining that. I'll have a link <laughs> in the support group. So you guys can, you know, if you're already there or you want to join, you can do that. It's totally free. 
and yeah. you know you can connect with uh, with everybody and and have conversations and uh, help each other out. So thank you yeah, very very much. I really need. appreciate we it. We all need. Yes, we do. Thank you, Rob. Before I let you go, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to tune in today. It means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I put a lot of time and energy into each one of these episodes because I want there to be a resource for you that wasn't available for me when I was going through this with my kids. And, you know, I I want there to be a positive impact on your lives. I want you to be able to learn something and enjoy what you're hearing. So uh, thank you again. I really appreciate it. For more information, you can visit theautismdad.com. You can subscribe on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Thank you.